Good morning, everyone. So when I was a, a seminarian, we had this wonderful order of sisters in the seminary, uh, the Religious Sisters of Mercy. And they're, they're wonderful women. They, um, in their order, I don't know if everyone does, but I think close to everyone gets a doctorate. But they have this beautiful charism where they love the intellectual life, but they also work with their hands. And so they love to serve in, in all kinds of different ways. And they're just beautiful women. And one of them in particular just had a heart unlike almost anyone I'd ever met. She was just kind and she was uh, joyful and easy to be around. And she was a horrible teacher. She was, she was one of our professors in the seminary, and everyone loved her personally, and everyone dreaded her classes. Uh, she was just kind of in the wrong spot. You know, she would have been great in lots of different ways and lots of different capacities. Uh, she just shouldn't teach. <laughs> now, sometimes when we're, in fact, in all kinds of ways in life, we look for a central quality and all sorts of different things we approach. For instance, when you go out to eat, you know, it might be nice if the, if the restaurant has a great ambiance and things are, are nice and the, the waiter or waitress you have is kind. Those things matter. But if the food's terrible, it probably doesn't matter that much. It made me think of, of our favorite thing in Denver, right? Casa Bonita. <laughs> right? Now, there's some of you who are like, what's that? You just moved to Denver. Um, so Casa Bonita is one of our favorite landmarks here in, here in the Mile High City. Casa Bonita, you have to go. It, uh, it's, how do you describe Casa Bonita? It's an adventure uh, with a restaurant attached to it. Um, Kids love it, and it's, it's, it's kind of like being in an amusement park. And it's very famous among locals for being a lot of fun with terrible food. And so a lot of people go to Casa Bonita once. Um, it's sort of one of those things. And today, I want to really zoom in on our second reading. Because our second reading is kind of saying something like that. And the main kind of point we're going to drive at today, brothers and sisters, is that there's a centerpiece to Christianity. And there are lots of important truths that flow from that center. But you have to get the center thing right. You have to get that first. It doesn't mean that other things don't matter, by the way, right? If you, um, what was my first example? I can't remember. Oh, the sisters. It's really great, you know, if you have a teacher who's also a nice person, that matters. Or a Casa Bonita, right? It's really nice when you go to a restaurant and the waitstaff's nice, or the setting is beautiful. Those things are great. But there's a center. And the thing I'm going to drive with today with you towards is that the center of Christianity, of all the beautiful, wonderful, amazing things God has given us, 
the centerpiece of Christianity is Jesus Christ. And our second reading today is so powerful from 1 Corinthians. Well, what happens in Corinth, Corinth would have been a really fun city in the ancient world and really kind of dangerous. It's a little bit like Vegas. Um, but it's the, the city of Corinth, the church at Corinth, is divided. And all over the New Testament, Paul tells us that one of the signs of God's church is that we have unity. We might be different ages. We might come from different backgrounds. We might be a different ethnicity. Some of us make more money than others. But we love each other because we belong to Jesus. That's a marvelous thing. An amazing thing. And that's what Paul's uh, kind of harping on at the beginning of 1 Corinthians. And so he says today, he says, you know, people in Corinth are saying... Each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You see, the the Corinthians were making Christianity about something other than Jesus. And we never do this, right? (laughs) Of course we do. It happens all the time. And so I wanted to kind of walk through a little bit this morning and talk about some of the ways that different people can make Christianity about something other than Jesus. It happens, I think, more frequently than you might think. So sometimes being a Christian, you can walk away. I think my childhood was a little bit like this. You can walk away from years and years of going to masses. And I remember growing up having the sense that what it meant to be a Christian was to be nice. You have some people, have you ever noticed this? You have, you have some people who talk all the time. They know every apparition that has ever happened. They know all about Fatima. They know all about Guadalupe. They know all about Lourdes. They know about the visions of St. Faustina Kowalska. But they never talk about Jesus. When I was in college, I remember noticing this. I was a freshman at, at CU, the center of the Catholic universe. And, um, and, why are you laughing? Um, but, but I was up at CU, and I remember I got involved in a Protestant group, and I was going to Mass at the same time, but I remember I was very struck by this, that I knew my mother loved Jesus, I knew my grandmother loved Jesus, but everyone I seemed to meet who was Catholic and Boulder, they never spoke of him. They might talk about the need for us to love the poor, which is great. And they might talk about, uh, you know, maybe abortion and how we need to fight abortion. And that's great, we do. But you see what I'm getting at? If, If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Those things are good, but they flow from him. Not vice versa. 
all of, if you took all the right teachings on earth about morality and social justice and, and, and all of the things we could think of, if you added them all up, they will not add up to Jesus. But if you have him, you'll have all of those as well. Sometimes we make Christianity about friends and community. It becomes our social clique. And believe you've heard me preach about this. Community is so important. It's actually very close to the center of the faith. But if Jesus is not at the center of that community, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. You actually even, sometimes God will do this. Sometimes God will call some of you to solitude. He knows community is good, but sometimes that's not what's best for you. Sometimes he'll call you into solitude, away from community, so that you'll possess him at a deeper level. We, we could multiply all these things, right? One of my favorite things is, uh, for instance, like liturgical ministries. You'll meet some people who think what it means to be a Catholic is to be a lector. And by the way, thank you, lectors. I really need you, actually. I don't want to do all the readings myself. But that's not what it means to be Catholic. What it means to be a Catholic is to have Jesus Christ at the center of your life. He's everything. Let me give you one more example. I was, I was thinking about this right before Mass. In my own life, and this is great to see in priesthood, in the life of a priest, I remember in seminary at one point, you, you kind of start to feel like to be a priest, you sort of have to be good at everything. And no one ever says that in seminary, but it's implied. And so I thought in my own life, you know, the things I'm asked to do, I'm asked to be a really good counselor. People expect you to have the answer. You know, they'll come to you and something's going on in their life, and you need to know how to counsel them. You need to know how to be a fundraiser. All of my priest friends make make fun of me right now for the capital campaign. Like, oh yeah, Father Brian, he'll get up there and he'll be like, the gospel of the Lord, please give to the capital campaign. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be a good boss, right? You have a staff and you don't do this, but I need to know how do I manage people? How do I encourage them in their strengths and challenge them when they need to be challenged? I need to be a people person. I need to know how to read a budget. God help us all. Conflict resolution. At my ordination, Archbishop Shap, you said that you will spend most of your priesthood helping resolve conflict. Emails and phone calls, which I fail at. Running meetings. The list goes on and on and on. You need to know philosophy and theology and psychology. But what if a priest had all of that? And he could tell you everything about the Bible and all of theology? And he didn't love Jesus Christ. There's no point. There's no point. And brothers and sisters, this happens in your life, and I know it. I know what happens to you. People say the same thing about your life. They say, you need to be excellent at your job. You need to be on time. You need to be good at returning phone calls. You need to know how to build up your marriage. You need to obey traffic laws. That one's not too hard, right? For some of you more than others. Um, 
You just feel like there's all these pressures and there's a thousand things. And what happens sometimes is some of those things move to the center. But there's only one center. It's him. It's the only reason you were created. And if you have everything else in your life right, you're really good with finances. And you're one of those people who knows how to shake hands and kiss babies. We always joke, don't get that backwards. Right? Kissing hands and shaking babies. Don't do that. (laughs) But you're good with people. You're good with finances. You're good at your job. Right? You have it all together. And you don't have Jesus. You've missed the entire reason God created you. You were created for love. And not just any love. A love that dies on a cross. That's it. That's everything. Rich Mullins, you know, was a great hero of mine. Rich Mullins, he has this line where he says, you could profess the Apostles' Creed a million times. Let's add to it. Let's say you, you can come to Mass every day. You, you profess the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. You have a Knights of Columbus badge and you're a Eucharistic minister, right? On and on and on. But if you do not love Jesus, you never were a Christian. So this morning, brothers and sisters, wherever you're at, If you're someone who really does and you've loved Jesus, I know in my own life I've been trying to love him for a long time. But you've got to renew that love. You've got to come back to the center. Whatever's been at the center, you've got to kick it out. Even in the faith, even the good things of the faith. Devotions are great, right? (laughs) I mean, people who know, they know the... uh, All the mysteries of the rosary, they know the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, They know all kinds of devotions I've never even heard of, right? They're into the infant of Prague, which is creepy. They know all these things. But do they know Jesus? And so if you're new today, if you're someone who's visiting, if you've never done this before, if you say, Father Brian, how do I do that? How do I put Jesus at the center of my life? How do I make him the center? Brothers and sisters, it, all, it begins very subtly. You just desire it. You just desire it in your heart. St. Bernard says that those who desire God have already found him. And so fire, put the, fan that fire into a bigger flame. Let your heart desire it so deeply. Say, Jesus, and you can talk to him. And you say, Lord, Be the center. Don't be another thing in my life that's just another thing I do. Lord, be my reason for existing. Be the whole reason I was made is to love you, to know you, that you would live in me and I would live in you. Jesus, will you be my everything? Will you be my center?